Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, welcome back. I know it's been a while. I had a lot of stuff going on, but I'm all set to go and I'm making it up to you today because I have none other than Maddie B, Matt <laughs> Blunden in the Imp House. Matt, what's up, brother? Uh, everything's going well. It's going well. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing amazing, man. Just good. Rocking and rolling again. Going down to Duke, uh, going down to UVA for the Duke game this weekend. Nice. Yeah. You know, wa watching them play last night was good, but like the game before, I was thinking maybe we needed to make a comeback for you and you get in there, make a little yep. introduction to Tony B and make it happen. Uh, not, not any knees left on this end of that equation. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was curious. I know well, we're going to talk about what you're doing now. I'm curious if you get outside and either play hoops or football with the kids, you get out there and do it up and show them what's what. <laughs> not anymore. I, you know, I threw when I was coaching football a little bit. I threw it around with them a little bit. And that was a lot of fun. Um, still being able to throw is is fun, but the running is out the window. You know, you're more of a walker and get on the peloton or that kind of thing. So and do a lot and do some hiking. So Amy, Amy, and I are in that mode right now of our life. That's awesome. Now let's take it back, uh, Darby, Pennsylvania, right? <laughs> What's really funny about that is uh, Darby. I, I grew up in Ridley Township, Pennsylvania, but I remember when I first got to UVA, they asked me, you know, where were you born? Well, I was born in Darby, you know, it was a town over. So Darby, Pennsylvania is on everything. But, you know, you see like that. And all my friends are really like, you're not from Darby. Come on, man. You're from Ridley. Um, so, yeah, that in, in all the UVA stuff, it says Darby, but that's a town over. And uh, I'm from Ridley, Pennsylvania. And yeah, but in the same area, like Cynthia Mathis and that crew from that era. So. Oh God, Sin Mathis, she's the best. She lives up here by me. So we uh, rock it out, go to lunch every once in a while. Talk, wow. talk. She's the best. Love her. Absolutely. Love her. Awesome. Well, she'll be listening to you. So say hello yourself. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, break this down for me. And I don't want to make this a total sports thing, right? Because, you know, you've got a lot of things going on in your world, but Take me through the, you know, how you chose UVA. I know there was like a funky little story in there about Penn State. So make sure you throw that one in for me. Man, yeah, it's, it is a funky story. And that, guys, it's so long ago, right? I mean, it feels like yesterday in some ways. Um, but in fact, a lot of stories there. I was recruited to be a football player out of high school mainly. And um, when you live in the area I lived in, if you don't go to, go to Penn State, you better go to Notre Dame. And I basically said no to both of those places. <laughs> you get a little exiled at that point. Um, not really, but uh, I did. I, I visited uh, some schools, and Penn State was one of them, Notre Dame. And, and uh, 
I got to a point where I, you know, I went and visited Penn State and I was like, this seems like a great place to play football. And I verbally committed to go there. And uh, then I, I, you know, asked if I could play some basketball too. And they said no. So I decommitted that way. And my dad put out some feelers for, for different schools. So I did some basketball visits and ended up just, you know, loving Virginia when I came down here. And they said they came and watched me play games. Said, sure, you can you, you can do this. You, you can come be a part of our team um, basketball. But here's the deal. We don't have any scholarships left in basketball. So you come in the summer and be on the football team and you don't have to do anything. Just come, you know, be there. Because back then, and it's still a case, there was a rule. It was the Bear Bryant rule. If you played multiple sports, you had to consume the scholarship of the bigger sport. Because Bear Bryant had a lot of swimming football players. <laughs> so I said, sure, we'll do that. And Coach Holland said, Matt, I'll come out in the field with you. You don't do anything. We'll just, you'll be a basketball player. But that summer, Lance Blanks transferred to Texas and uh, I got a basketball scholarship. So I didn't have to go out for football. So I came on as a basketball player and um, I came and, and just, you know, all in, worked my tail off. And, and really, I, I just love hoops. And I uh, wasn't a scoring guy, but I loved the physicality of the game and loved just playing. Well, after my first year, I was a little disillusioned with not being able to play, thinking, I, I, can, I can play. I'm not playing. And I said, well, maybe I should try football, too. And I asked Coach Welsh and, and Coach Holland, and they both said, yeah, you, you can do that. So I went back on football scholarship and did both. My first year, I was just a basketball player. The next um, three years, I overlapped. And then my fifth year, I was just a football player. So it was a weird, strange story, but it evolved in a way. And I was very grateful to uh, both Coach Welsh and Coach Holland for what they did to help me make it work. And, you know, looking back on it, I feel a little selfish, but <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. And um, I'm very grateful. Well, I'm going to ask you, do you have a George Welsh impersonation? I can't do that like, like others can, but I can tell you a story around that. So my, my first year being on the football team, we played Penn State. And they weren't quite happy that I kind of walked away from that. So I get in the game at the end, and I'm, you know, it's my first year playing. I get at the end, it's at Scott Stadium. And uh, they were they were whooping us that year. We, we beat them the next year. But they were whooping up on us, so I get some of that time. I get in there, and we call pass play. I forget what it was, and... I can't, as I'm coming on the field, I look across the field, they're bringing their first defense back on. So they had put in their substitutes, but they brought their first defense back in. Then they blitzed everybody. So I go to drop back and they're all over me and I, ne I never get the ball off. Well, I'm pulling myself up off the ground. I look over and jo Coach Welsh has thrown his hat. He's screaming and yelling at me. I come over to the sideline. He's just yelling at me. You've got to get rid of the ball. You can't just do you got to give your guys a chance. And here it is. Meaningless time. They throw everyone back at me. He's coaching every second he's out there. And that he was always that way. He just coached every single second. So you got to love that one. Right. But they yeah. love that Penn State was coming at you. I know that game because I, I was there. That was the one at Scott Stadium that we lost. Right. Uh, because I had a bet years later with someone who I worked with who went to Penn State because there was another home and away. I don't remember yeah. what year yeah. that was. Yeah. And uh, I remember we bet the loser had to pay for the whole trip. 
So like we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we won. So I was good. So, all right. So cool. So you were doing that. Where were you living first year? And did you have a football or basketball roommate? What, what was the deal with that? Yeah, you know, I lived with the, with the basketball guys. Kenny Turner was my roommate, John Crotty and uh, Dirk Catcher right next door. And Bernie Floriani was on a different dorm. He was a walk-on at the time. And uh, so, yeah, we were over on Tuttle, you know, back when the uh, the athletic center was not there. The fitness center was not across and it was just a field. And and we play softball over there and different things. But, yeah, Tuttle was Tuttle and pretty, uh, you know, they were the new dorms, right? That was back yeah. in the yeah, yeah. Now, and now it's funny because now and people have heard me say this before but the old dorms they now call the new old dorms because they upgraded them and oh yeah yeah, yeah. air conditioning and all that kind of stuff right yeah so, yeah yeah then um did you know you were going to major in math right away or was that kind of like uh like later in the game i don't know what i'm going to do so here we go yeah you know i went in not knowing what i was going to do and you know i thought about different things um but I set it on teach. I wanted to teach when I got out and math was always something that I enjoyed as crazy as it sounds. And it was hard, you know, it was a hard major and it, it didn't, it was not something that, you know, I just cruised through. Um, but I, you know, at UVA, if you're going to teach, you, you go through the education school, which was awesome. Carrie, Carrie school of education was amazing. And I had some awesome teachers, wonderful teachers who, um, just loved education, loved teaching. Um, I was really influenced by a couple of my high school teachers. And so yeah, I knew it was a lifestyle that I wanted. I wanted to kind of do something and give back. And, um, and that's why I got an education. And so the, having the math degree, um, working towards that and then, um, working towards my master's while I was at UVA was, um, it just really fit for me. And I, and I, I really enjoyed it. You, you want to hear a funny story? So we all used to eat at Bryant Hall, right? All the athletes and we were there for dinners and everything like that. And it, it's funny, right? And you, there weren't a lot of two sport athletes, but those that was legit. If you're playing two sports, that's amazing. But I don't know that in when you were in Bryant Hall, if anyone was really that impressed that you played football and basketball, I think we were more impressed that you majored in math. Right? <laughs> no, what the hell are you doing yeah, yeah. and you, you got to remember i was friends with havlicek right so like yeah ha havlicek i can't i don't even think he could spell math so like <laughs> the, the, the fact that like a basketball player was majoring in math man that was that was big time so yeah. all right so what was first year like for you do you remember any stories you got any good ones for me you know first year was a blur for me not not too much i wanted to leave you know it was it was a totally different world for me from, from where I was in the Philadelphia area. And I remember being on those pay phones down in the bottom of Tuttle, you know, we didn't have cell phones. Right? I'm on the phone. I'm going home. Like, this is not that great. You know, you're, you really, I was homesick first time really away from anything. Um, but I just, you know, I, it, having Kenny as a roommate was an mate. Kenny Turner is an amazing guy. And, and, you know, John just seemed, John Crowdy just seemed like, hey, I'm at UVA now. I'm a basketball player. This is where I belong my whole life. And he just jumped right in, right? The rest yeah. of us were feeling away a little bit and, and making friends and figuring life out. Um, I remember just that first year, it's Christmas time. And, you know, you go through this whole deal of getting used to school. And, you know, now you're in the basketball season. He used to be at home for Christmas. Now we were in Hawaii for a tournament. And, Kenny Turner and I were in our, our room and we just woke up on Christmas day and looked at each other and went, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Where are we? What are we doing away from home? But we, we got over that, you know, the next year it, it was, it was a, 
a tough first year in a lot of ways, academically, socially, but, um, you know, got my footing and it was one of those deals that by the time, you know, my fifth year rolled around, it was just an amazing place. Yeah. It's funny. Cause with soccer, I remember, um, I, re- I remember us having to be there for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. So we're there for Thanksgiving and everyone is miserable because no one's around at the university. It's literally just us. And I remember one Thanksgiving, we had we would have practice in the morning and it would always be cold and rainy and crappy, right? And then we were having dinner at Bruce Arena's house for like an early dinner to like celebrate as a team. And during the practice, there was a huge fight that broke out, an inter-squad fight where, I mean, like kicking punching the whole thing so bad that they had to cancel the rest of practice. It was really bad. And I think I remember getting back down to the locker room and laughing my ass off, thinking to myself, oh, that's good. That's one way to end a practice and get out of it. And I was wondering what it was going to be like when we got to the dinner for Thanksgiving and everyone just kind of let it go. But I remember those those days were not like, uh, you know, not so uh, great as they were cracked up to be. Right. No, no. But you, you, you know, you remind me of another thing during that time. Um, earlier, you were talking about you're going down to, you come down for the Duke game. A funny story from that year. Uh, Mel Kennedy was one of our guys on the basketball team, Johnny Johnson. We had some, they were some, you know, tough, good guys, good players. And we were in that era between Ralph Sampson and all those guys and into the kind of the newer era. But it was, it was a good group of guys, but going to Duke for the first time and hearing them just tear apart people in the stands was just incredible. Um, we, we, uh, I remember we, we go into the arena and Johnny Johnson was suspended for a substance issue. And, um, he, we're there warming up. And of course the Duke fans are there before we're there. They're in the stands. Krzyzewski walks around to each section and just tells them, you're not to say a word about Johnny Johnson. This is, you know, that's off limits. And each section would like stand up, give him a standing ovation. And he'd go to the next section, explain, explain. And they didn't say a word about Johnny Johnson, but Mel Kennedy had put on a few pounds. So we were out there warming up and they just start chanting, Mel, you're fat. You're really, really fat. Mel. And it was just brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And no guy could have taken it better than him because he had a big smile, big heart. And he just, you know, he could give it back. Um, but it was just a brutal welcoming to the ACC and that kind of a world of, of what basketball was about. Because I grew up in Philly and it was the Big East, right? And yeah. there was stuff. But. Yeah, because I was in New York, right? So I was St. John's, you were Villanova, yeah. right? The whole thing. Was, yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's funny because someone passed along to me a sheet of all the different chants that they were going to do at a Duke game at Cameron stadium. And it was all personalized to huh. players on the team, which is nasty. Yeah. Right. And now I'm an athletic director at an all boys boarding school. And all I do is tell them you can't do that. Like <laughs> there, are no, there are no personal attacks allowed. And that's all they want to do. That's all kids want to do is attack personally. Right. So. And, and do you do the chant? Do you do the, you can't do that. Oh, they do all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our, it's great. Our fans, for the you know, you, all boys boarding school. And, you know, bat, we have a basketball game tonight. And so that, that gym will be packed for a lot of reasons, mainly because like they can get out of study hall to go to the game. Um, but they get in there and they really do a great job cheering for the kids. And it's, it's fun. 
So that's so then you became uh, you were a math major studying education, knowing that that's what you were going to do. Uh, when did the imps pop their head up? God, I, I was trying to remember what year it was, I, you know, second or third year. I can't remember when, when that all popped up. I mean, the imp thing was fun. Um, I do remember going through uh, a fraternity. It had to be later than that. It had to be a little bit later than that, but I was <laughs> I was going through a fraternity and um, and a guy and we were walking through and it was after a basketball game. And so we were kind of going through with the pitchforks and all that kind of stuff. And it was fun. And just, you know, and some guy just started mouthing off at me like, you're not all that. You know, he was drunk. I mean, he was just so drunk and he and, you know. Who, who knows? Might be, I don't even know. I, and I can't remember his name. But so I went up to him like and I just literally, I, I wasn't an aggressive guy and I wasn't in a fight or anything like that. But I, I literally grabbed him and, and threw him up against. The wall. <laughs> I was so angry. I don't know why. And um, and then someone was like, no, 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 it's not worth it. Not worth it. So I kind of threw him down and moved on and we had fun. Years later, years later, that guy. It was either his wife or son or something popped up and apologized for that moment. Shut up. Remember his name. But he, he remembered that moment and he apologized for that moment. So I thought, wow. Wow. That's that, actually that, impressive in today's day and yes, age when people yeah. don't take ownership for things, right? Right, right. I think it, 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 it kind of expressed how much alcohol did, always took over, right, for people. And uh, it, it's just, it was crazy. Cool. So then um, you became an imp and it, this is a whole new world for you because you were so focused on the athletics in the beginning. Where was the turning point from those calls home to your parents saying, I hate this place, <laughs> my existence to, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm now running around naked on the lawn and yeah. drinking. Where, where was that crossover? <laughs> Which, by the way, I never did that. Um, Just in case your parents are listening. Yes. He, you were the one person at the University of Virginia who didn't do yeah. that, Matt. Yeah, sure. Right. Was, yeah. And my son, had, my son did, who went to UVA, and he told us about it. So, no. Um, yeah, you know, I think in my second year, when I got rolling a little bit with hoops and, and enjoying that, and um, to be honest, I, uh, Amy and I met our second year, and that was kind of fun being, you know, a couple for, we, we kind of dated through college. Um, so, I think during that time is when you start, you know, going out on your own a little bit. I had never been away from home prior to going to UVA. I'd never for an extended period of time been away from home. And so, uh, yeah, I think it was second, second year into third year. It was really in the groove with it. And your experience with coach Holland and coach Welch really were they two very different coaches Were there a lot of similarities. What was that transition like from sport to sport? Yeah, I mean, the similarity is you have these two veteran guys that were just so respected by everybody and revered even, and and they surrounded themselves with amazing staffs, right? They had guys around them, men around them uh, coaching, and, and their organizations were run so professionally. Um, you know, it was back in the day when, you know, people didn't jump around that much, right? The coaches didn't. That, those coaching staffs were pretty solid, um, and and people were very loyal to those two guys, Um so that was that was fun to be a part of. It's all I really knew, right? So it was very professional and very, um, you know, the, the, they were just very respected. Um, everyone kind of thought that was the standard. And I look now today and I go, man, that was special. That was a special time to have those two guys as head coaches um, at our university. 
and now look who we have, you know, you got Tony Bennett who's, who's just killing it. And is, is, you know, the guy, you know, Connor, you've got, you get on a list of people that we've had here that just do an amazing job um, with, with the, uh, the coaching. And I think, you know, George and, and coach, coach Welsh and coach Holland really set a standard um, as did, you know, Deb Ryan. I mean, she, look what she did in her time here while we were here. I mean, she set a standard and got women's sports just noticed and um, almost, you know, beyond her years, beyond her time in that regard. And that that's awesome. Yeah. There were some great coaches. Any, um, any funny stories from the basketball team? You had a really funny group while you were there. A lot of personalities. Give me, <laughs> give me a couple of good stories from that crew. Your boy Havacek was coming home. He and uh, and, and Sean, um, they were coming back uh, from a break, and they got stopped at the airport because they thought it would be funny to pretend they had a, a bomb in their bag. And so they were they were kept for a little while. No, and they didn't. I never heard that one. Yeah, Sean Wilson, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, and, and Havlicek got in some trouble for that kind of thing. Havlicek, he he just wanted to laugh all the time. Now he was a year or two younger, but he, I didn't I didn't hang around with him too much, so I probably would have more stories around him. But man, I was so busy with doing two sports and all this kind of stuff, I was on the run all the time. But uh, yeah, my my uh, wife or Amy. Uh, came to one of the games and she was she was watching the game and she's standing next to this guy outside a locker room and they've been talking the whole time and about basketball and finally she turns to him and says did you play basketball you know how do you know so much about he goes yeah I play basketball you know and that's my son out there and he goes oh good we go away a little bit later you know she was talking to John Havlicek the whole time and had no idea I and I so humble and such a good guy she had you know, that just blew her away later and years later when she got to truly understand what, you know, his impact was and, and who he really was. Um, but that's kind of people that were there. We had a few of those people, right? A few yeah. of the stars, kids or the, the famous folks, kids from Jackson and Greasy and all those guys. So what was your uh, most memorable moment with the basketball team? You know, definitely the, the Elite Eight, you know, making that run where we had no right really being there in some folks' eyes, but, you know, we were a pretty, pretty strong team in terms of being all together, uh, but making it that far, uh, beating Oklahoma in, in the sweet 16, and um, getting the elite eight, you know, we got crushed by Michigan. They were a pretty good team, but that run was a lot of fun. And just, you know, it's funny. People ask, you know, what's better, the NCAA tournament or the ACC tournament? Well, the ACC tournament, hands down, has always been awesome. But when you get to the Elite Eight, it's just it, it's just a different a different deal, right? It's a different experience. Um, so the ACC tournaments were always a blast. Um, but the the uh, Elite Eight, that's a that's a great memory. Um, I was just watching. They were they had something on TV the other day. And they were showing some of these these great teams in the past and all that. And they were talking about Georgia Tech. And there we were getting beat in the ACC championship against Georgia Tech that year. And I got a little – it's a little depressing. <laughs> You're the team getting beat. But. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch the losses. I remember them. Yeah. I, I remember being uh, one of George Michael's sports machines highlights when I let in a goal, which was an own goal. Someone scored a goal from our own team on me. There you go. Thank God we didn't have like cell phones and texting at that point and social media because knowing my high school friends, forget it. They would have lit it up for me. 
Oh, they, you know, I, we were playing Clemson one year and, uh, in basketball and it was the beginning of sports center and all that kind of stuff. Cause before that it was other things, but sports center was just coming out. Well, I would go up for a shot and Elton Campbell hits my shot off the backboard, starts to fast break the other way. And the guy dunks it. It's like, I was the low light for for Sports Center, and all my friends let me have it on phone calls and that kind of stuff. So yeah, you were you're on the not so top ten plays not, week. Yeah, before it was really that right. Watch the bang s break. So so then uh, football, Matt, was a whole different experience for you too. On top of a basketball experience, <laughs> I mean, I think I remember you being ACC Player of the Year one year. Like, tell me about that experience because it was so different. Yeah, it was different. You know, it was a different group of guys, but still, you know, still you're still teammates and, and friends. And the different the difference though is just kept flowing, right? And we'd finish the basketball season or the football season. I'd go into preseason basketball, then we go to a bowl game. So I'd be flying back and forth to these different games. And um so it was it, it was fun in that regard. It it really was because you just kept playing. I just love playing. And um so you know, it, it was hard. The best, the football part, though, I didn't start until my senior year. Having Sean Moore, we were basically the same year. So I didn't start until my fifth year. And, um, you know, you had Sean Moore and Herman Moore and all those guys and Terry Kirby and Slade. And it was quite a team um, in those four, first four years. And in our fifth year, it was a really good team as well. So, yeah, that, that fifth year was the, the one year I got to play. And, you know, it just worked out that, you know, I could make it make a sh- take a shot the following year but it was uh it was a lot of fun I, I tell you i got a little burnout at the end i got a little bit burnout with it all at the end and it was it was hard to um that last year to to really get everything done i needed to do to graduate and it was uh in fact my last um semester i had not finished the courses i needed to finish to graduate in math so i had to go back my rookie year in kansas city I would go to University of Kansas every Tuesday to finish the statistics course. So I finished my my math degree, my fresh my rookie year in Kansas City. And so then I came back here years later and finished my master's degree. What what was the story with Amy? Where was she in Tuttle Dorm too? How did you guys <laughs> what, what and then I want to and then I want you to tell me what was it like because you had literally no downtime. Right. And that's got to be exhausting for you, but it's probably also exhausting for her. You know, we didn't have any downtime. I mean, we did had some downtime, but like I wasn't a big partier in college. I, I, didn't, I didn't belong to fraternity. So like since I was year round with everything, my fraternity was my group, my teammates. Right. And so Amy wasn't on Tuttle. She was down the road. I forget what the name of that dorm was, but I didn't meet her until my second year. And um so I'm glad she's not on this where she would tell all the stories that how we met. But so, um, but we met my second year and then uh, we dated throughout the, the next three, three or four years. And uh, we got married our second year in Kansas City. We just celebrated 30 years on Monday. That's crazy. It's crazy. How many, you have four kids now? Four boys, man. One up in New York. Ethan's in New York. Cole just is in Boston. Cole graduated from, uh, Berkeley School of Music, Ethan graduated from UVA, Luke's at uh, Christopher Newport playing uh, lacrosse, and Joseph's here at Woodbury with us. So we have four boys and rolling. And did any of them follow in your sports footsteps? I'm curious. No, not really. I mean, Ethan loved it. Ethan actually went to UVA and walked on as a receiver for a year. 
And then he was involved with, he was a, a engineering major. So he, he just said, I can't keep doing this. And he just went on with the engineering. Um, Cole was a musician. So he just, he's taken off of that. Luke's, Luke's playing lacrosse in, in, uh, at CNU. And, and Joseph, you know, if, if he had to choose a sport, it'd be fly fishing. I mean, <laughs> all the time, you know, it's, and we, it's kind of a passion of his making his own flies. And um, so we, we, it's a really, we were really kind of intentional about not forcing that kind of stuff on them growing up. We did the youth sports and, but we didn't do the crazy travel ball and all that. Um, kind of let them find their path the best we could. Cause you know, I saw examples of it. You know, you see like Scott Greasy, I would talk to him about his dad and he goes, I don't see my dad ever, you know, <laughs> like I never saw him growing up. And so that was, that was kind of impactful to hear that whether it was true or not, that's how he felt. And I didn't want to be in a position where, you know, you know, we were putting pressure on our kids with the athletic end of it. So did our best and, you know, <laughs> hopefully it worked out. So um, take me through the draft, right? So did you know that fifth year that you were playing that you said, okay, I'm going to make a go of this in the NFL. Was that like front and center in your mind? Where, where was your head when that was going on? I think as the year went on, it became more and more of a possibility, you know, um, we, we had some good players. Um, we had a decent team and then, you know, scouts started coming around and, you know, by the end of the year, it goes back a little bit. My senior year in the spring, I was doing a lot of travel and seeing teams doing the combine, um, all that kind of stuff. And it, it just seems, it just rolled, you know, how it is. You're so busy and it's just part of what you're doing. You know, looking at it from the outside, I think it's a little more crazy than being in it and just doing it. And you you take a day at a time. And um, so, yeah, it was it was an exciting time getting drafted. And the, the fun part of that whole experience was I got drafted to the Chiefs. It was in the second round the year before uh, the kid, my center. I mean, my, my offensive tackle and, and really good friend growing up catcher everything we went to elementary school middle school high school together he got drafted by the chiefs second round the year before he went to upenn graduated in four years and then got drafted so we were on the same team for four years and at kansas city and that was pretty awesome um so it was a good experience i you know i would looking back on it you always look back and go man i wish it wish it worked out a little bit better wish you had a, a chance here or there or you did this better or that better but um, we were very, very grateful. So what was it like? How did you find out that you were drafted? I was at my sister's house and, um, we were just hanging out and I got a phone call from, from Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson. And they basically said, you know, if we drafted you, we'd, how do you feel about that? <laughs> you know, of course I'd love it, you know? And, um, that was a, that was a really great experience. Um, it wasn't, you know, I look at all these things going today with the draft and kids signing and all that kind of stuff. It, it wasn't like that, but we were all together as a family, just hanging out and watching and hoping and seeing what would happen. Now, who was your team? Were you an Eagles fan growing up? Oh, I'm a fan, man. I, in fact, I, you know, our kids are fans. And, oh, here you go. This is sitting on my kid's dresser right now. There you go. Oh no, that's legit. He's everyone. He's showing me proof that he's an Eagles fan. He's like, it's legit. He's got a, he's got a yeah. great Eagles thing. All right. There you go. There you go. I'm not front running it. Um, we just had, it's got interviewed by the the local paper from where I grew up. And said, you know, 
you and Joe Valeria was the other guy. I said, who are you guys going to cheer for this week? Who you got? And the man, like, it's win-win. It's win-win because yeah. I'm, I'm a loyal Eagles fan, but I'm really, you know, we're, we're grateful to the, the Hunt family and the Chiefs and all that for the jumpstart we got in life. But it's, um, it was a great experience. Did you have a feel where you wanted to get drafted now that it's over? You could say you probably couldn't say that before, but where were like your top two or three that you were thinking, Oh, I'd love to go there. I got it. You know, when we were looking at who was where we did a little bit of that, you know, like what, what, and we got, I got interviewed by some folks uh, throughout the whole process. And it, it was a little different back then because you didn't know all the coaches as well as like you could now through social media and, and just how much they're out there. They're celebrities now, right? Everyone knows who these who the coaches are. And back then, people you kind of knew. And if you knew football, you knew the coaching staffs and all that. But um, I was I was excited to be going to Kansas City. It seemed to be a great fit. It seemed to be the right place to go. Um, I was, you know, secretly hoping the Eagles would have a, a need for a quarterback. They really didn't. Um, I forget who they had back then. But uh, Ty Detmer ended up going there, who was in, in my era. But um, yeah, I was really thrilled to do that, to go to Kansas City. And then you had a quick pit stop in Detroit, right? It was a delayed pit stop. I came back to Charlottesville for a year. So I was out of football for a year and then I got picked up by them. So oh, wow. um, yeah, and our oldest son was born there. And um, that was an interesting year because we had Ray Roberts was left tackle, which funny story about my last play ever in football, but Ray was there um, or a painful story. Herman Moore was there. We had three, four or five guys there. And it was, it was a, a great group. And um, we had Thanksgiving at the house and for that one year. Um, but yeah, it, it was really great experience because Bobby Ross was a great coach. You know, you're around those guys, you're around uh, Sanders and Barry Sanders is incredible. Um, just that experience being around those types of guys. Um, but my last play in my career ever, we're playing at Washington and it's freezing and it's nasty. And we're just trying to get it to the playoffs and Barry's having a great year. Scott Mitchell's the quarterback. The backup is Frank Reich. He's now the head coach. Now. Crazy, right? Yeah. He's an amazing guy. Um, and I was the third string quarterback. Well, my man, uh, Scott pulls his hamstring and then Frank goes in and gets a hurt hand. So it's third and 10 on our five yard line and I get to go in and I hadn't been in a game in forever. So I get to go in. It's loud as all can get out at the end of the end zone. We call play. I got Herman Moore on one end. I've got Johnny Morton on another end. I got Barry Sanders in the background. I'm like, this is it. This is going to be great. Right. I'll just get the ball five step drop. I can get it out to Herman. He'll catch it. So <laughs> I I snap the ball. I go back, man. I'm on rhythm. I feel good. Like I'm, I'm surprised. I, I was going to feel that good. I get, just hitch up and I go to throw the ball and I get hit in the back of the head. Right. I think it was guy Harvey hits me in the back of the head. That ball as it's going out flutters out into the ether. I think it was Dishman catches it. He runs it in for a touchdown. So as I'm, as is all happening in my whole life, you know, going before your eyes and like, oh, you know, this sucks. I'm trying to get off the ground to try to go make a tackle. And this guy's holding me on the ground, kind of laughing. He's like, nah, don't do it. You're not going to get there. (laughs) (laughs) So I get up off the ground and there's Ray Roberts, who was a left tackle. And he's looking at me and he goes, man, I'm so sorry. 
He never moved. So we had the snap count. We went, I dropped back. He never gets out of his stance. This guy just tees off in the back of my head. And we're watching on film the next day. And Bobby Ross just keeps running it back. Unbelievable, Ray. What did you do? What's going on here? So that, that was my last play ever. And thank, thank you, Ray Roberts. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it that, that a fellow Wahoo is the one that did you in on that play. In, man, I was trying to get it to another Wahoo. It was just like, oh, God. Yeah. So then yeah. after that, when did your teaching career start? You know, um, I actually went to, uh, when we were in Kansas City, I, I would like go observe classes and stuff. And it was pretty fun. Uh, but when I went back that year, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I was doing a little coaching and, and doing things, but came back after, after Detroit and I re- got back into the ed school. Um, I remember when I left before the draft out of, out of college, I, I, Susan Mintz was our professor and Joe Garofalo was our professor, my math guy. And Susan was the, the general ed professor and they were awesome. They were always so supportive and so practical and fun. And so, um, I probably, you got to promise me you're going to come back and finish this because I had to leave on, you know, I didn't finish. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, I promise you I'll come back. So when I came back, um, after, after Detroit, I came back and I finished and it was just a good feeling to kind of go back and and complete that piece. You know, we just had a kid, Ethan was just born. I'm like, I have to finish this. I won't be able to look my kid in the eye type attitude, you know? And, I finished it and I started teaching right away as I was, as I was finishing my degree, my uh, teaching degree, I was teaching at a uh, local high school here in Charlottesville and um, just started to go right there. And then, and you know, this is 25 years later. So that's awesome. Cool. Uh, so, now, so now tell me about your new job, what you're doing. It's not so new anymore, right? You've been there for a little bit. Yeah, man. This is uh, our seventh year at Woodbury Forest School. In here in Madison County, it's just up the road from UVA, and um, it's a you know all boys boarding prep school. Kids from all over the world are here, um, mainly you know obviously mainly U.S. kids and mainly Virginia, North Carolina, that kind of deal. Um, so we we have a, it's just an amazing place, amazing school. It's like a small college actually, and uh, it's it's incredible. Our, when we moved here, our third son Luke came as a freshman, and now and he kind of went through, and now our fourth son's going through and my oldest son is is jealous. Ethan's always jealous. He never got to come here, but, um, you know, I was always a public school. I went to public school, taught in public school. And and this was just a big shift to not only come to an independent school, but one that's a boarding school. And it's, it's a great place. It's just such a great, um, experience for kids and advantage for kids, uh, to have this before they head off to college And, and the connections they make, the people here are great. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's a really, really fortunate to be here right now. Like, give me a feel for the size. Like what's the graduating class? Like how big is it? So it's 400 boys, right? So about a hundred kids a year graduate. And, um, you know, the, the campus itself is 400 acres, uh, 1400 acres. So you have this beautiful campus in the middle of, of Virginia and, it, you know, it's surrounded by woods and the river, uh, Rapidan River and the mountains out here. And it's just, it's an incredible place for boys to come to go to school. Um, but yeah, 400 kids, 100 kids a class. And uh, we have every, <laughs> I, I always joke because we, we have a skeet team, right? So kids are coming to camps with their guns, <laughs> you know, getting their guns checked in in an era when that's kind of a scary thing, you know, 
irony there. And it's just, uh, but we have, a, you know, all these different outdoors programs along with football and traditional sports. And it's, so it's got a little something for any kind of young man that wants to kind of grow. You know, it's funny you talk about the guns, right? I, and I think you lived on the lawn. So you might even know that you might be able to verify the story for me. There used to be a story, and I don't know if it was urban legend or not, about the hands on the clock on the rotunda. And no. someone once said to me that they were like like bulletproof or whatever that would be, right? And it's because when the kids had the guns back in the day, they would use that as target practice and try to knock the, oh, man, the clock off. Is that true? You lived on the lawn. You should, should, isn't that like a prerequisite to live on the lawn? You have to have man, all of those, the, 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 know all the stories? Man, the prerequisite to live on the lawn is you're willing to walk out of your room half naked to go take a shower. That's the only thing you got to be able to do is you got to walk outside to go grab a shower. Um, that was an experience. Cool thing about that whole thing. My, my father-in-law lived on the lawn. I mean, he, he was a UVA grad, um, and then went to uh medical school here, but he, he lived, uh, the door, the room right next to mine. I didn't know that. And I had no idea he lived on the lawn when I was here. And Did they it, have to uh, make that accessible for a basketball player, that room, like expand the roof or something like that? Or how did, how did, how did you deal with that? Did you have to duck when you went in? What was that like? Have you ever been in those rooms? Yeah, they're small, right? Small, they're small. Yeah, but I'm figuring what they did, maybe they like just like extended the roof or something like that for you and Samson and guys like you so you could get in there. Hey, man, we talked about, talk, start talking about Samson. I'm little. So, you know, that I'm fine in there. The, the, the bed recesses were small, that kind of stuff. But I had your own fireplace. And it was a neat play. It was really great. Tammy Reese was on the lawn that year with us. I mean, that, that was quite a, you know, there were some great people there. Tammy Reese. Wow, she could ball. She would go to Mem Gym and just crush all the guys. Her and Dawn Staley, right? Dawn is crushing it right now. I mean, it. she used to come, Dawn, and I think Tammy did too, but in the summers when Ralph would come back and all these guys, Mark Averoni, and and then, of course, the younger, all of us younger guys and, and Kennedy, and but Dawn would come back and play. And we, we'd be playing pickup gym in, in U-Haul, playing pickup ball, and she would just hang, you know, held her own. And she was very quiet back then, and, you know, but she is – amazing has done an amazing job in South Carolina so what's next for you I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna be here as long as I can uh Amy and I are you know our youngest is is gonna be graduating in two years and um we hope to kind of continue here as long as we can and, and just figure it out um you know our dream is to get a trailer and a truck and travel out west and, and do the whole loop and and, and travel around and visit our kids as, as we can. It's a strange time in life when you start thinking about that, isn't it? So weird, right? I'm yeah. like, so wait, so is your son in tenth grade, eleventh grade? Tenth yeah. grade, yeah. Okay, so I've got a tenth grader too. So like, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe who knows? Any interest in going to UVA? You're you, you're working that angle with him? No, I, we didn't force any of them because you know we had so many people in our family on Amy's side go to UVA. I mean, at one point she was there, her sister, her two two sisters, her brother, her father graduated, her mother graduated from here at the nursing school. It was crazy. Uh, um, so and and all our kids' cousins have gone through. Some have gone through here, and Ethan came here. But I think our our youngest, I'm not sure. He's uh, again, he's more of an outdoors guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he applied to Montana or or Appalachian State or something like that. And, get involved in the outdoors somehow. All right. Well, before I wrap it up, any other yeah. stories that uh, you wanted to share with the crew that you might, you felt might be fun for us to hear? <laughs> no, I'm not. Again, I wasn't much of a party guy. Um, I, you sent me a question about tuna and when's the last time I had tuna? Last time I had tuna was 1992. <laughs> oh man. All right.
we got to make a little comeback for you. We're going to send you, yeah. we're going to send you a little care package. We'll have uh, like some Bodo's bagels, some tuna and a thermos for you. And we don't worry. We won't let your buddy Ted Jeffries pick out that bagel. Cause everyone oh who's nip knows gosh. that his, his bagel order is horrific. What's your, what, what's your go-to at Bodo's? What do you like? Man, so, you, know. you know, we go there. Like we, we will travel to Charlotte. So we'll just get Bodo's. I'll get it for, we have advisees. We'll get it just for, you know, to bring it back. So you know, we're always getting the chicken salad on everything with lettuce and getting whatever soup and get the salad with tuna. I mean, it's just, that place is awesome. Yeah. I mean, like why, Ted, why can't you just be normal like Matt? Like, do you hear his order? You hear John Crowley's order? What's, he, it was so horrific. I can't even say it on the uh, uh, in public anymore because it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. I'll, I'll send, I'll send it to you, not via text. I don't know, like cryptic yeah. text. Maybe I'll get a burner phone because I don't yeah. want to, I don't want that order attached to me in any way, shape or form. So that's yeah. cool. So, um, and if you uh, stumbled upon the imp meeting and you went in, I'm sure you're giving these young kids, high school kids, some great pieces of advice. What would you share with them? The young kids, the young imps at UVA? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's say you were there and you got lost and you, you had a hankering for tuna and you wanted to get in there. So you went yeah. in, what did you say to them? I, you know, I would say get off, get off your phones and, and get out there and just have a great time. And I, I'm watching the kids here now in high school and they're living through their phones and all that kind of stuff, but just enjoy every moment because it, it does fly by. It really, and it sounds like an old thing to say, but I wish I did have a little more fun when I was there. I wish I did. I was a little more relaxed about the whole thing. I always want, you know, trying to graduate and do all these things. But I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing you can do actually when you leave too is maintain some relationships and really try to stay connected with, uh, folks there and then when you leave and uh my son who, who graduated from uva has done an awesome job at that and he's now is you know here he is a young adult just graduated from uva and he's still connected everywhere with all these guys and um so stay connected with the people that you're going through it with matt blunden you're el hombre man still <laughs> love seeing you love hearing the stories again heard a couple of stories that i never heard of too so that was great and thank you thank you thank you for being part of it you know you had a really well-rounded uva experience and um it's really cool that we could hear about not just the sports stuff but the non-sports stuff as well so thank you absolutely thanks thanks for the memory lane and i really appreciate it i look forward to hearing more of these Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Take care. Bye. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay. Stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be. So I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense, C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.